Good evening, wool gatherers, and welcome to episode 132 of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. On tonight's episode, we are reviewing the latest record from Dermot Kennedy called Sonder, and we're going to talk about our first music catalogs that we actually sought, went after, had to get all of that goodness. And then at the end, we're going to talk about Sandman issue 22 as we work our way through the entire series. So it's going to be a great night tonight. The episode's brought to you by 4411 Creative Agency. The good folks at 4411 provide custom marketing and flawless execution. Creative is their middle name. Head over to 4411creative.com to find out more. And uh, we also have a second sponsor, just the Kokomo Lantern. Great people to work with. Uh, they are a journalistic endeavor focused on the simple principles of eliminating... Sorry, we don't eliminate the good. We want to illuminate the good and eliminate the shadows in our local community. So head over to kokomolantern.substack.com so you can get all of that good information. And joining me tonight is none other than the metalhead himself, Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind, his boy and time, it's Metalhead Monday. Do you feel like we're stepping inside your mind? Do you feel that? Okay. Well, it appears that I've lost audio again. So. No, we hear you. So I'll dip <laughs> out and come back. All right. Introduce Tony. <laughs> now you ruined it. He ruined the whole introduction. Here we go. Joining us also is none other than Earl Grey himself, Teabags. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... T-Bags. Too hot for TV. Hello there. Isn't that great? It's the best. (laughs) Even if it wasn't my theme song, I would still say it's the best. I don't know. I might have to go with the uh, Joe Wright theme song. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's They're all good. good. Joe Wright sucks. He won't come on the show so I can listen to it. <laughs> we'll get him back on. Yeah. We, uh, Monday and I were talking. We actually don't want you on the show. We just want the theme song. So you can oh, go now. okay. <laughs> get off our screen. I feel loved. <laughs> all right. Welcome, gentlemen. To another fun night of challenge and review. Um, I w- I'm just curious, too. I wonder how many of our listeners um, are fans of Dermot Kennedy, or maybe if they even know who he is. It was not yeah. a name that I was familiar with until we did the first album. <laughs> we yeah. have a comment that's been posted on the screen. <laughs> Facebook user says, I love that T-Bags giggles at his own song every single time. How can you not? I yeah. know. Yeah, we I'm do an, too. I'm just an 18-year-old boy in my mind, so <laughs> <laughs> you say T-Bags, I'm going to laugh. I would have so. said 12 or 13. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, yeah. some things are just great, and uh, all the theme songs on this show are great, so I'm happy to have those. Eventually, we're going to have to get new ones. We'll wear those out, but 132 issues in. Or episodes in, and I think we're still fresh. Yeah. So, uh, all right, gentlemen. Anything new uh, to mention before we jump right in with the challenge? Well, you know, I got something. 
Well, go for it. <laughs> Is that Lacey? Uh, I don't think so. She's at work, so. <laughs> I'm like, that better not be my wife. <laughs> so yeah, we got a yeah. nice little, uh, nice little present today for you know us metalheads, especially uh, Metallica dropped a new song. Yeah, yeah. Called, called Lux Eterna, and I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I uh, concur. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, pretty thrashy kind of old school sound uh i've said a couple times like if the production was a little shittier it would be right at home on kill them all <laughs> if it didn't yeah, sound true. so modern and polished um there's a definite motorhead influence which i mean they've never denied mm-hmm. that they, that's right. one of their favorite bands but man you can hear it on this one it, that that drum beat is straight up lifted from overkill mm-hmm. by motorhead um yes and and also in the same song overkill from motorhead they do like three or four kind of false endings and then it comes back in with the drum beat with the double bass and all that and they do exactly that in this song but they only did once yeah so but yeah and the riff and everything i mean there's a bunch of motorhead going on in this song i love it yeah, it's a ripper for sure, and it, uh, like you said, it definitely is a throwback, but it's definitely polished uh, yes. in a very modern way. But I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good, a lot of speed, and I can't wait to see what the album's all about. This one comes in at a short three and a half minutes, so yeah. you guys need to check it out. It is good, and the album comes out, I think, in April, Yeah, April yeah, 14th we- or something, so we will definitely yeah. be reviewing that. I almost forgot, like, James sounds amazing on this song. Yeah. On point sounds so good yep yep he is fantastic so um and then uh, we'll probably talk about live shows too because at some point we might want to go do the uh, show on the road what do y'all think yeah well i don't know man that's a that's a bigger show than i usually would like to go to plus how much is it gonna cost it should be cheaper (laughs) since it's in a stadium you get more people you would think but who knows we can charge it to the corporate credit card. So yeah. we're good. Shh. Oh, we're live. Way to go, Tony. You <laughs> yes. just blew the whole plan. Yeah, mental health. Mental health. <laughs> Metal health. Yeah. But I got to get over there so I can hit that for us. I know. I thought you were going to move closer to your drums last I time. Was. Maybe I, I need a stand to put this on a stand. <laughs> so I'll break something, but oh, it's all right. So. All right, well, let's get to the challenge. Uh, this was issued by Metalhead Monday, so take it away. Uh, pretty simple. Basically, it's just, uh, you know, we're all lifelong music fans, and I'm sure all, all three of us have been listening to music since before we even knew what the names of bands and stuff were. So uh, basically, I wanted to know the first band or solo artist singer whatever the the first artist where you actually fell in love with so much that you then had to go back and find everything they've done like their entire catalog you had to have it all because you just loved them that much good challenge yeah all right well um I'll go first because Jeremy was rude to me and said I couldn't say Rush, so that's fine. <laughs> but um, no, 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 that's fine. 
That's not what I said. I said if you were going to choose Rush, I wouldn't do the challenge. See, he's a jerk. You guys heard it here first, people. Um, no, but actually, I wouldn't have chosen that one anyway because when I got in, I mean, there were a few albums that came before, but there was so much afterwards I just kept following along. So, um, uh, actually, um, Teabags, I'm going to defer to you because I forgot my charger and this is going to die if I don't grab it quickly. Okay. You're on. Go. <laughs> This is his way of getting out of hearing my answer. Um, ironically, since we were talking about Metallica, that was good, that was going to be my first thing because Metallica kind of broke me out of the just radio listening stuff. But there wasn't a lot still there, so oops. So I um, I went with Pink Floyd, who, okay. and that was an interesting journey because Pink Floyd. I think the wall is kind of the wall or dark side of the moon is kind of mostly how people come into <laughs> Pink Floyd, right? So, but then you expect that everything's going to sound similar because why not? Most bands do that, and you go all the way back, and it—I can't even hardly listen to the first album of Pink Floyd. It's it's um, it's just so different, and it's yeah. experimental, but very much like people finding their footing, and not even the same people that you're used to listening to. So. Um, but then moving past that, little by little, you start to see, you know, songs popping up like "Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun" and "Echoes" and things that are, you know, different than the mainstream and starting to come into their own. And then, obviously, then you get into the '70s style, you know, the '70s of their catalog, and and that's where it's really happening for most people. But I did go back and appreciate some of the other stuff, but there was such a large catalog to tackle. But it was funny because I was so excited and then I was disappointed. And then I went back, you know, started to climb back into it. And they ended up being my favorite band of all time. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. I, I did pick up the end of that. So that's nice. That's not who I picked. So, yeah. And my runner up was The Doors. Just I'm not going to talk okay. about it, but that was, that was another one. Okay. So um, I could have picked a, a number of them, I suppose. Uh, groups that late seventies and then all through the eighties, we really loved like, you know, Zeppelin, we dug back into that catalog. Um, your Pink Floyd, same mm -hmm. thing, but I chose the doors and, um, we, I don't know, I, not all of us loved them, but there was a small group of us that really loved them. And so we dug back in and we went into every record. Um, we struggled and then loved the soft parade. Cause it was yeah. such an odd album. It was one of those. If you look back now, it feels like it should have come at the end. Like, and then he goes off to Paris, you know, but Morrison hotel and LA woman came out after that, which is so strange because it feels like such an odd record in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we, we fell in love with that and um, we started reading more. So no one here gets that alive. I don't know if you've read that biography. It was so good. Um, we passed it around. Um, story of his life. We all really dug that. Mm -hmm. We got his poetry books yes. and um, those were super cool. A friend of mine lost it. What's that? I have one of those. Oh, do you? They're odd. I don't even know if there's a lot to make out of them a lot of yeah. times because his mind was so out there, but and they I were still his, cool. Uh, his spoken word album. Mm -hmm. I have that. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And then uh, I know, of course, I think probably where most of us got into it was probably from apocalypse now with the end being played <laughs> yeah. there that was a big one it's like oh my god this is so cool who would have thought you know and then 
Because that came out. Was that 79 or 80? Before my time. So. Yeah, you young buck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's one that we really dug in. And it's just kind of funny now thinking about it. Like, how did we do it? I mean, you could go to record right. stores and look, but if they weren't there, you were kind of SOL. You get some books, you know, that maybe had that information in there. But man, I really think back now, and we must have been pretty clever dudes to figure all that out and get these back, you know, albums and all that kind of stuff. I think you kind of grew up. You kind of split it up. Like somebody else would get one, and then you would tape it or borrow it. You know, um, like the very slowest version of Napster ever. You know, like trying to <laughs> <laughs> tape something, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you couldn't afford to go just go get the catalog, right? So sometimes it's like a team effort, which I thought, I think kind of, you guys can correct me if this wasn't for you guys, but I remember a lot of times sitting around with friends just listening to music, you know, like sitting in the same room oh, yeah. and somebody bring a tape over. So. so the question is, um, is Michael Jackson not galvanizing to any of you? I feel like his best and biggest things were your time. And I'm saying for me, probably you too, we grew up with Michael Jackson. Yeah. We didn't have to go back. That, yeah. I mean, there was, yeah, because he only had one record out before Thriller on his own, right? I think, was it Blood on the Dance Floor? Or what was the one? Um, Let me look it up. Was, was it self titled? No, what was it? There was, I thought there was just one solo record before Thriller and Off the Wall. Off the wall, yeah. So, yeah, but we didn't really have to go back unless you wanted to go back to Jackson Five because when that stuff got super popular, we all just listened, right? So, I, yeah, Michael Jackson was not, uh, I don't know. I mean, at first it was just the radio and thriller, like, at first, I didn't go back really when I was a kid either. I, I liked him a lot, I mean, but Mm -hmm. like you said, it's like. There wasn't a catalog per se to go back to. I think Thriller was was that like eighty three. Mm-hmm. So that was. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was like six, seven years old, so that was, yeah. I, that was before I was like a collector or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, we'll answer this. We're gonna let um, Metalhead give his, and then we will all answer this question. You guys can think about it for a second. What was your favorite cassette tape played in your car as a youth? Uh, my first one was an eight track and it was Bootsy Collins. So I'll think of another one because that was an eight track. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So um, the first, uh, honestly, like the first artist that I, that came to mind when I thought of this challenge was the Fat Boys. <laughs> but, yeah. but when I started looking at <laughs> them, they all have albums out. They only had a couple out. When I started right. Them, so. Yeah. Um, so when I was in about probably sixth grade, I really started getting into heavier stuff. And uh, Ozzy was just, he was it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And at, like when I was in sixth grade, so that had been like 80, let's see, uh, 80, 88, 89. Mm-hmm. So that would have been uh, No Rest for the Wicked, which, which is Zach Wilde's first album. And I just went backwards from there and all all of his catalog up to that point and then sabbath and all of it i was just i was in love yeah that's that's a good one 
Yeah, we got a Scorps from the Facebook user. The Scorps. Okay, so to answer that last question, fellers, mm-hmm. now I can say for me, my first cars did not have cassette players in them <laughs> um, because they were, I think my first one was like a 1979 Delta 88 after I had a Chevette that I wrecked. Then I had a Delta 88 and it was, it had a thermostat for the air, which was ahead of its time, but I am pretty sure it was just a radio. So I didn't even have a cassette player in my car in high school, unless I took my boom box with me. <laughs> yeah. Filled up with eight D batteries. So it weighed about 80 pounds. <laughs> I got my license like in the 8990 air in 8990 and I had just got like a, I don't know what they were called back then, but like down in it by Nine Inch Nails was, what, what would they send ahead of time before they'd send anything? And they'd like just send a song to like the radio or to the stores. Like a single? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. And, but it was like a, it was a store only type demo thing. And I remember getting that and not liking Nine Inch Nails. It sounded like a weird version of rap from down in it. I really wasn't into it at the moment. And then Pretty Hate Machine came out, right? Shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. And so that was the one that was like stuck in my tape deck forever. Gotcha. Literally stuck in your thing. No. <laughs> yeah. After a couple of Indiana summers, it melted. It coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Monday, you probably grew up in a time when you had a cassette in yours. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first car was a Chevette as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so gosh, I, when I got my own car, I would say probably one of my favorite cassettes that sounded great in the car and that we listened to a ton was uh, White Zombies. It wasn't their first album, it was their first big album where everybody mm-hmm. knew them. Mm-hmm. Uh, La Sexorcisto, Devil Music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Had Thunder Kiss '65 and uh, Black Sunshine and all that stuff. Man, I that thing out. I haven't yeah. listened to that forever. Now I got to go back and listen to that. So good. Yeah, it really. It is that that album specifically. Uh, uh, the second one, Astro Creep 2000 as well, but La Sex or Sisto specifically. It is just. Uh, I mean, they were riff machines there's so many great guitar <laughs> yeah. yeah we just saw rob a few months ago um at clips or whatever it's called now and um he's still got it he, they sounded great it was mm-hmm. it was a really fun yeah. show i kind of feel like some of these questions are like ways to steal our bank account like what was your first car yes. who's the first who's your favorite <laughs> band <laughs> So we gotta be careful here. <laughs> What's your driver's license number? <laughs> yeah. And while you're at it, you're Soch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all three of our choices for catalogs. I'm glad we didn't double up. Sometimes we do that. So that was good. Yeah. The challenge next week is to be given by T-Bags. T-Bags, what's the challenge next week? Um I like how I did I've, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My notebook fell off the table. I'll I'll get back to you. okay challenge accepted later this week yes i will give one until then we are going to jump into dermo kennedy i'm sorry dermot i mean um 
<laughs> Sorry, we have a fanboy on the show, so I'm just messing with it. But Dermot yes. Kennedy's new record called Sonder. I'm going to let T-Bags give us a little lead in, and um, then we'll jump in. Okay. Well, um, Sonder comes from uh, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, which if you guys have never checked out that site or their newly printed actual dictionary, you should. But Sonder uh, means the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own so um i don't know on apple music do they have i know on spotify they had like a little thing up for a while where dermot talked about the album when it was released yeah they have a for every well yeah there's a thing below there um yeah at the top that talks about the album you're right yeah so um but anyway yeah i mean just uh i believe he's from dublin great irish singer he's kind of like he went from busking to kind of you know stardom pretty quickly mm-hmm. within a matter of you know four or five years so and i'm a like <laughs> i'm sure everybody guessed i'm the fanboy for this one but <laughs> uh, i just love him man i think he's lyrically he's got like a hip-hop background that's weird for the style of music that he plays and lyrically i think he's great and um and i'm a sucker for kind of romantic lyrics so that's the sweet spot on this record yeah there's my lead in yeah this is definitely a relationships, a um, an album about love and all of its different facets, I suppose you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump in. Is Any Love a good album opener? Money, what do you think? Um, I really like the, the melody. Uh, that caught my ear right away. I don't love the vocal effect. Um, I... I I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that kills the um, opening track for me. Like, I, I think that would have maybe been served a little better deeper in the album. I don't, I don't know if that's a great opener. Um, and I really, I just kept waiting for the beat to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked this song. I, I don't think it was maybe a great album opener, but um, I thought there was some there was really nice production on this one. There was some nice. It was almost like there were little stops and some soft moments um, in his cadence as he went through the song. So I I don't think I love it as an album opener, but I did like the song, and I think he is developing as a musical musician. I I always liked his vocals, but I think this is one of those where he's starting to grow in his musicianship. I think or production of the music. Yeah. I would say the production side. I mean, for me being a fan, you know, like that type of style of synthesized vocal coursey effect thing has kind of been buried in a lot of songs. And so for me personally, it was like kind of a change up from how he does things to just kind of put it forward and drop in it, drop music back out into the background. So um, I liked it as an album opener, but You'd be hard-pressed to have me not like anything he started with. So, you know, <laughs> take it for what it's worth. He could have uh, probably done like a three-blind mice opener, and I'd be okay with it. I'm going to see if he'll do that. I'm going to start sending him messages. Let's just start getting this going and see if we can uh, crowdfund it. Yeah. You know he'd write something about finding love, even as three-blind mice, you know. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> um, okay. So the next one is this one was the first was this the first one released something to someone 
months ago? I, uh, I think it was. I know I heard this, like, yeah, a couple months ago. I thought Kiss Me came before it, but I could be wrong. But go ahead. It could be. Um, I just, this is the one I remember that was released. And this okay. one has all the elements of a radio friendly grab ya. This is what the album is about kind of song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, in many ways, like when he says there's lessons in love sometimes, the heart is but a winding road. So the story goes. That is the album, essentially, to mm-hmm. me. They're all lessons in love, lessons about life. All of this, this album kind of winds through the story of love. So I think, I think this is almost the album opener in respect to the theme of the album. But it's a good one. I mean, this is a great song. I agree with that. I think this would have been a better album open. Yes, it definitely establishes the theme for what we're going to hear after this. <laughs> yeah. I would have, as far as album openers go, I had a note for Kiss Me about how it kind of sounds very similar to something to someone. Mm-hmm. You kind of transition. So it would have maybe been nice just in that way to break it up. But I'm kind of biased because uh, we, Steve, you saw it, but we recently put on a play our company put on a play that was Mm -hmm. kind of like a immersive kind of made you think type play and we ended it with when the main actor died um and you know he he was being carted off we played this song with a video montage and so like yeah i mean that whole like something to someone like such a universal feeling and then it kind of hits home a little bit when you're like saying something to you and there's somebody specifically that saw you when you were you know together that made a difference yeah we always say when we would deal with people in education mm-hmm. like everyone is somebody's someone you know like you may be super mad at this kid but he is super special to some parent you know so you have to keep that in mind when you're dealing with people so you treat them the way that you would want your children to be treated that's cool so i kind of like mm-hmm. that something to someone yep. so um we all agree good song okay mm-hmm. uh next up is kiss me which you just alluded to. And I do agree that this one's similar, but you're not going to like me here because for me, this seems like if I didn't know the substance that he has, this would be like a pop throwaway song for me. Oh, okay. You're right. I hate you. I knew it. That's it. I'm removing (laughs) you. (laughs) I would, I would kind of have to second that as well. I, it, it was, I too felt like it was similar to the song right before it. And, you know they maybe could have broken it up with the track listing or something but um yeah it's just kind of kind of meh for me Uh, like i didn't hate it but (laughs) i don't i I don't think it's as good as something someone. okay well hear me out here because i feel like why why it was put together is like in something to someone he talks about um forever was a lie you know and in Kiss Me, he's basically saying, like, there's an iteration of us that will never die. So I think it's a it's a compliment. It complements that song in the way that, like, it does give you some hope that there's always something that, something that someone can't take away from you. But I do agree. It's very radio-friendly, poppy, and you're going to hear this in Starbucks when you're getting your coffee. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's why. See, Tony, you get us. so but be honest if you were going to rate this would this make your top three or four in the record um it actually is in my top three i think of the record get out 
I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny that we could all three have so we were so similar about our music, but then we just are so different about that. One. Yeah, but I mean, again, I, I'm liking it in a sense of like seeing it as a piece in this whole collection of songs. Mm-hmm. So honestly, if I had to remove it, it might drop down. Okay, but we look at them as albums, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that it fits there. Okay, good. Uh, the next one is Dreamer. And I kind of dug this song. There was some weird instrumentation going on here that I thought was really cool. At first, I thought one was a clarinet, and then there was a weird sound that came in. And at first, I thought, is he doing that with his voice? And then it came in later, and it was too clean and clear and, and neat. But that's where I feel like he's really grown to like take that step um, and add something that cool to a song. So I, I did like the song overall, but the those extra instruments and those little breaks were, I thought, really cool. Is this the one that does it start out with? I mean, it's just basically vocals and piano, and it kind of builds on that. This... Yeah, and then it has that weird. Uh, I don't even know how to describe the sound. I wish we could play it, but they would kick us off for copyright. Right. But it, it, am I right though? Like it started out real simple with just him and piano, and then it kind of built from there. Well, the, yeah, but the other song, the next song, did too. But yeah, this it one did. Was like a, this one was like a low piano. Maybe I don't know. But yeah. uh, the only thing I wrote down for this one was I like piano. So. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> this one didn't really hit me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree, Steve. I think it was definitely instrumentally different. I mean, in the way that it was arranged, I guess, too. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to say I like every song. So this is. <laughs> it's okay. You can't. I won't keep saying it. Yeah. Yeah, I was super excited to have a new album by him, and it didn't disappoint me. But but teabags, why did you like this song? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for piano too. So when it starts like that, and then throwing in some of those weird things, and then lines like uh, "Told me you were mine, already knew I was yours," so isn't that worth something? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just I think those are cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're allowed to <laughs> just <Thanks>. this once. <laughs> um, the next one. I think is one of the most clever themes songs on here, the innocence and sadness, because I think as we get older, we kind of realize that there was a joy in our innocence as, as kids. And there's that line of crossing it and the sadness that comes with, Oh my God, this world sucks, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, so I really dug this. And again, the piano was nice, a uh, very cool song mm-hmm. and uh, just thematically uh, one of the strongest for me. Yeah, I like the. Uh, he had some good lyrical turns in this one. Um, I got a little snarky. <laughs> it's called "Innocence and Sadness." I said I feel like this title describes all of his songs. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, I really liked the line: uh, "People spend their life heads down, souls hidden." And I think, you know, if you are going to go to the sadness thing, that is kind of sad if you think about it. How many times we try to kind of like shield what, what you know the things that really matter to us we just kind of blend in so mm-hmm. yeah do you like this one a lot tony or just yeah let me check my notes yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh lord all right so um the next one divide i didn't have much on this one it just it didn't do a whole lot for me same okay don't fall over 
but my note literally says, I like it, but <laughs> it doesn't hit me the same as other songs. This one is more of a background music song for me. So kind of middle of the album filler song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That is a bummer when that happens. It's almost just like remove it and you it get happens yourself. All the time, it does. It really does. Um, the next one, Homeward. I like this one. It's about nostalgia, which is cool. Um, if this whole town slowed down, would you ever come back? Could you get back to that place, that sweet spot in your life, that the the rose-colored glasses? You know, we did the whole John Hughes thing, which was great. Took us back to our childhood and those great movies. So I, I like that one, uh, especially for that, for the lyrics and, and the theme of it. Yeah. Mundy didn't uh, like it. I can tell by his smirk. <laughs> I have something really not nice to say about it, so I can I'll either say it, say it or not. <laughs> You gotta say let's it. hear it. We're here hey, to balance each other out. So, Tony, I, you know, I, you and I can like step outside after this. I get it. It's fine. I, <laughs> I might even let you have the first shot, but okay. This song really like it hit me like, like kind of like a cheesy Christian rock kind of song. <laughs> <laughs> I just the vibe I got from it. I'm like, right. I really don't like this song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have that, but I did have um, that it was kind of a radio 80s vibe to it mm-hmm. for me, which tied in for me as far as being nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, even maybe a little striper, you know, it wasn't really like that for me. <laughs> so, but, um, <laughs> but see, he, here's the thing for me is like, if you give me good lyrics, the music can take a backseat. And so like when he says something like sorrow is a season, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sold. Yeah, I'm I'm the reverse of that. I gotta have the music hit me first. Yeah, but I I respect your opinion, Monday. <laughs> I don't. That was rude. No. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is Monday's Florida. No, no, that was Fiona. No, Never mind. no, it's not yeah. that. <laughs> All right, the next one is One Life, another sentimental song. Um, I was really digging this and I just wished that it would have tracked away from being a love song and had a little bit more universality um, to the sentimentality of it. Uh, but I did like it. I just, I felt like it was just too heavy on the the love part of it. Well, this is where what I just said about the last song, uh, this is where it comes in. Cause I really, I mean, I like this song, but I, I almost want to hear an instrumental of it because I feel I was catching the music as we were going along, but his vocals kind of felt like they were way out front, maybe a little more than usual. I don't know, but maybe maybe that's just because I was trying to hear the music more. So yeah. I did like this song, but I kind of want to hear an instrumental of it. That's just me. Yeah. Well, the good thing with Dermot is he'll give you seven different variations of these songs. <laughs> yes. In the next couple of months. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked how it kind of just made you, you know, think that there's too much to do and too much to love. And, um, you know, I very simply put as far as like, you know, one life isn't going to be enough for all of this. So I dug it. Yeah. Uh, Better Days, I really like this one. Um, this is, I think, one of the stronger songs on the record. And to me, it almost seems like an answer to the last song or 
there were even lyrics that, that when he said, we never miss the flowers till the sun's down. You never count the hours till they're running. I almost felt like they just fit better or were like the appendix to One Life. Uh, this was just a far better song, I thought, than One Life. That's actually, it's funny that you mentioned those lyrics because when I was listening to it, I, I did like this song, uh, but that would be my one criticism was when I was listening to it, I was actually reading the lyrics and I I felt like that's kind of almost a trope. It's like never this until the, mm -hmm. never this until this. And he mm -hmm. like hit it a couple of times in the song and I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is why I almost text steve your uh sis had sent me a thing saying i wish you would not do love songs all the time you know that was really gripe with it and i thought this was the one i felt like told a different story in my the way that i saw it was kind of like somebody that he knows that's battled cancer or has been in an abusive relationship or something you know so it was definitely more of a uh, step away from the love thing but i can see <laughs> Uh, that going back and forth with the previous song. So that's cool because I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah, I did. I did like this one. It just like I said that I when I caught that, I just and he hit it more than once in the song, I think. So it kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the penultimate song is already gone. And um, I just wasn't feeling it. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really have a lot to say. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not trash by any means. It's just I just wasn't feeling that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, then let me step in here as <laughs> someone. Please. Who, yes. Well, what I one thing I liked about it was, um, and my note was, I can't place why I like this song, but I do. So it wasn't like there was something that was like over the top grabbing me. But I think again, looking at it as, a, as an album, it felt like there's a lot of things about being seen and him always seeing someone you know that he's in love with, like what how they've impacted him. And in this one, it feels like he's more invisible. So it kind of like uh, stepped on the side. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said, Tony is on Dermot's payroll. I wish. I feel like that's Steve. That says that. I, perhaps, I perhaps said that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I, do, I do feel like it um, flipped it just a little bit, just to head out, head out of the album in a different way. Was this a stronger one for you on the record? I mean, for us to say we're not feeling it, Mm -hmm. Is this one that you really felt strongly about or? No, this is maybe top five, but probably in the middle. Okay. So that really tracks then. Mm -hmm. Cause you're a, you know, the Uber fanboy, and we're saying it's okay. Not really. You know, and then you're like, uh, it's okay. So yeah, I think we're all on track. Last one blossom. I thought um, was a fitting closer. So we talk about our openers, opening and closers. I thought this was a really nice closer for the record. It had some really nice lyrics in it and um, kind of pepped us out of there after the last one. So I dug this one quite a bit. Yeah. I did not love this song. Um, I liked how it started and it had a lot of promise. And then when he came in with like kind of pseudo rap type delivery, I really <laughs> didn't like that. And I... I, I am not a huge fan of his, and I did not know anything about his hip-hop background or whatever, so I'm sure, you know, that's in him, but mm -hmm. I I didn't like it coming out of him. <laughs> Just keep, keep it, it to inside. yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, having, I mean, having known that and having heard him do 
actual covers of hip hop and rap songs that, you know, it, I've been <laughs> accustomed to a little bit. So, but I, I liked it. I thought that um, what I thought I was cool about it was there was like some honesty in terms of like how you actually do work as a team when you're, you know, with someone that sometimes you need to just like rest and they need to help you through just for a little bit and then you'll be right back in it, you know? So I think there was some trade-offs and in the lyrics about kind of being the person that would be there for them and to protect them and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like honestly saying, you know, like, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to need a few things to here. So again, I liked it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's odd. Isn't it? Yes. Was that 10 for 10? <laughs> yeah, I would say nine for 10. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. All right. So um, we're going to go around and do our final rating, but we are going to let you finish, D-Bags. Okay. So um, I'm going to say that I would probably give this a 275 out of 5 to a 3, somewhere in that range. And there are a couple of songs I will listen to again, but I will not listen to it from beginning to end, most likely. Monday? Okay. Um I was kind of around that same range. I was thinking more like three out of five. It's really, I, I'm not a huge fan of Dermot Kennedy. He doesn't really kind of hit me in the same way that he obviously does Tony and that's fine. But I mean, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just kind of middle of the road for me. Not something I'm going to come back to a ton. It's real hit or miss for me. So yeah, I three out of five for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tea bags. Give us your five out of five. <laughs> well, it's not a five out of five, but it's close. And yeah. it, you know, I think just as we all know, when you have an artist that you love or you have anything and you've kind of watched them grow and then also go through the pandemic and have them do some cool stuff and you just keep buying in more and more if if they're like you said, if they're hitting you, you know. Um, so I'm still but I am close. I'd say four point seven five out of five. I was anticipating and I wasn't disappointed. So it makes my rating higher. That's all you can ask. Yeah, exactly. I will agree with you during the pandemic when he had that concert in the castle, that was, mm -hmm. emo. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. Great concept. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he just keeps doing, I don't know how you guys are, but like beyond the music, if you like the artist, like yeah. he did a surprise concert from a, from a um, balcony in Dublin recently. And he, he did a busking show, you know, just kind of went back and just let it kind of grow over social media and seems, you know, pretty engaged with his fans. So, yeah, I would definitely say as I've gotten older, that matters so much more to me that the music that I love, the artists that create the music that I love just say, are decent people and do good things and put good into the world like I that matters so much more to me now than it did when I was, you know, a punk snot-nosed kid who didn't <laughs> care about anything or whatever. But, yeah, that's very cool to see that. Agree. Yep. He said was snot-nosed <laughs> kid. Still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, well, um, that was great. I'm glad we got to do that. There is not anything releasing in the next week or two that we're just dying to do. So uh, we're going to come up with something fun in the meantime, probably something retro to talk about. Um, before we moved on to Sandman, though, I just wanted to bring up the final 
two songs off of the first third of Autumn from Smashing Pumpkins, the rock opera. Um, there hasn't been a new episode in a couple of weeks, so we haven't started the second portion of that yet. But he did release the final two, which we hadn't talked about yet. The first one is called Hooray, and the last one is called The Gold Mask. And so I have some thoughts. <laughs> God, this is painful. Um, Hooray is quite possibly one of the worst songs I've ever heard. It starts what? off, it has got this awful bad like a MIDI video game thing going on. It is so uncharacteristically bad. I can't even tell you. It's it's painful <laughs> to me. And then uh, the last song, The Gold Mask, is not bad. I think it's actually a pretty good closer to that portion of the story. And um, it, it picks up. It's a little uh, peppier. It's got some of the quintessential pumpkin sound, but it's still too heavy on synth. And I have listened from beginning to end, and it hasn't helped. So I'm really in pain right now. <laughs> We're I'm a third sorry. of the through, and I'm just the story's wonky, and <laughs> I'm just not sure what to do with this record. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you talking about hit or miss? That's. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry because we have... talk about our favorite artists. You know, you anticipate things, so that. Going when we started talking about this, and Beguiled was the first song, and I was like, Man, this is pretty good! Like, that it's oh, that's a good song, and it's just like, Yeah, well, I yeah. so that came out, you know, they did Beguiled, and I'm like, All right, this is cool, this is heavy, you know, we got the guitars back, you know, everybody's rocking, and then they released the first song which was autumn which is the lead-in the instrumental all right this is pretty cool it's got some you know atmosphere it's gonna decent intro. and then butterfly suite came out it's okay we're starting to lean a little towards sir here but it's okay um and then good and goodbye came out and i'm like hey this is a classic rocker i'm digging this and then oh boy <laughs> we, we lost <laughs> our uh, groove quickly and there was some i don't know I'm hoping yeah. it grows on me, but I'm I'm not super positive. <laughs> so you're you really know, selling me on going and listening to these. No, you have to. Monday and I, I did. Will. So you okay. have to but you you're gonna get the benefit now of listening in order. So right. you'll get to see it or feel it. I mean, we could even do that for the show if you wanted to, because I've already beat myself up. So <laughs> we could do the first part of autumn if we really want to. Feel like that might be a little bit rehab it could be so but anyway i still want tea bags to listen i will i will at least listen and give a report back so since yeah, you guys you did it, i will i mean it's new pumpkins you gotta check it out yeah true okay okay well there you go folks so um tea bags are you gonna stay around for sandman 22 or are you gonna head out uh, i'm heading out because i promised the wife that i would watch yellowstone so that we can actually read social media again <laughs> if, you, if you miss it for a night you just can't oh, pay attention to anything else before you go this just in i know you're not going to be able to tell who it's from i want you to guess oh man <laughs> <laughs> i like bob dylan so i will text her and, and 
give her a few. That's T-Bag's challenge for next week. Name your favorite thing about Bob Dylan. That should be my challenge. Well, that would be challenging for you. Be a little more difficult for me. Yeah. So actually, All I can right. answer it right now. Go for it. His songwriting. There we go. Boom. Not his performance. Uh oh, them's fighting words. She's probably gonna yell at you now. This is probably the best time for me to go. It is a good time. <laughs> Tea bags. We will see you next week. Okay. The next Thanks, show, and you got to read uh, one through twenty-two, so you can be caught up and be ready for twenty-three next week. All right, I'll I'll call in sick tomorrow. <laughs> good, good. All right, you'll be glad you did. <laughs> See you guys later, tea bags. See you, bye. All right, so we are ready for Sandman issue number twenty-two, and when last we left, uh, they had a big powwow, and Dream realizes he's been a bit of a dick lately, and. <laughs> Okay, not lately. It was a long time ago. And uh, he was a jerk to Nala and or Nada. And um, so now he's going to have to go get her. And that's where we left off. Yeah, I don't, I mean, this issue is really all set up. It really just comes down to how much detail you want to get yeah. into. Because, I mean, it's basically starts off describing hell. And then we cut to. Dream is gathering everyone to, and he's gathering everyone in his realm to tell them he's leaving. He may or may not be coming back. If he does, if he does, then great. If he doesn't, things have been put in place to, you know, figure that out. If he is state, if he's captured there and not destroyed, things have been put in place for that. So, I mean, it's basically gathered the troops, hey, I might be back. I may not be back. If I die, this happens. If not, this happens. And off he goes. <laughs> All right. Good night. And then, night. I mean, you know, it's pretty much just that. And it's, you know, then we turn to, like it, he said, it's established that he sent a messenger to hell ahead of him. Because that's how it's done. That is proper procedure and Correct. etiquette. Send send your messenger in to tell them you're you are coming. Is it? So. Yep, and that was Kane, right? Yeah, Kane. Anything yeah. you want to hear up to that? Um, that that is essentially the entire issue. Um, there were just some cool parts. For instance, when um, at the beginning, there's a huge like the first page or whatever. Or is it two pages? first page is a description of hell but yeah. it is not and it was intent that it's not our current interpretation of hell yeah. so it's not all flames and you know the gnashing of teeth and all of that kind of thing hell is very different it's a more uh, neil gaiman take on what hell is yeah. which um so that's a little different which was cool and then i thought the really neat part was the library yeah and all of those books were of the um, stories that were not told by authors, they were their dreams. And so they, but they captured them and now these stories are in books. I thought that was a really clever, that's definitely a Gaiman idea, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. It's not even just authors though. It's really everyone. These books yeah. contain everyone's dreams, but he specifically mentions authors, like their best stories that they never wrote. They just dreamed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just such a clever idea. And there's a whole list of books on the top shelf 
and there's stuff to read about them, but um, it's not technically, you don't have to know it to enjoy the issue, but just clever, clever, clever on his part. And uh, one other part I thought was really cool was that as he's going around and telling all of these people what he's doing, he does go meet with Hob. I might yeah. not be there at our next meeting, you know, um, which again shows the true friendship that we agreed they had on the previous issue. But it's just neat that he revisits that, that he's definitely not just a throwaway character. Right. And I, one thing, um, when Kane goes down into hell, that, that's an interesting conversation between him and Lucifer. They're both biblical characters. Mm -hmm. So you get a little bit of that. And he, uh, you know, Mazakin basically wants to, or well, uh, oh crap, I forgot the other guy's name. It's Mazakin, and who's the other one? Oh, I can't remember his name. But anyway, um, uh, Alakino, that's it. Alakino and Mazakin have brought Cain to Lucifer, and they want to destroy him. Yes, but they can't because then, so then Lucifer describes, you know, reads the scripture about the mark of Cain, the mark on yeah. his forehead, and all of that. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool touch. Yeah, um, and it, obviously why he sent him, which yes. Dream knows as well. There's a, a definitely going to be a battle of the wits with these yeah. two. And then we see uh, Hippolyta Hall and uh, the mm -hmm. baby that was born in the Dreaming. So we've got some characters coming back. And Dream, before he goes down to hell, he stops in there and she freaks out, tells him, you know, get away from my child. And, you know, you said you were going to take him or don't touch him. And, uh, you know, he said he means no harm. She hasn't named him yet. And uh, as Dream is leaving, he said, by the by, his name is Daniel. And she looks real pissed and then kind of softens. And she's like, Daniel? So... Like she just kind of accepts that. Yeah. So and that is a name that anyone following along should uh, write down and remember because that will come into play later. Yep. That's Daniel from the Bible. And um, I love that he was going to name her after his father, Steve Trevor, which we yeah. got that DC connection that they like to sprinkle throughout here. This is very much oh. a story in the DC universe. Yeah. His father was Hector Hall. But Steve, um, Steve is tied in there somewhere. But. Well, it says I was going to call him Steve after my father, or oh, Hector after well after Hector. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then something else to like you you think of Dream as this all powerful person, but he even understands he is not as powerful as Lucifer. When he oh, goes yeah. down there, he is definitely undermanned, so to speak. Yeah, Matthew straight up asks him, Matthew the Raven, he said he's more powerful than you. He said, oh, by far, yeah. by far. So, yeah, he knows. Yeah, so that's really pretty much it. I mean, it definitely was set up, and then he is on his way. Um, I haven't read ahead, so. Yeah, the only, I mean, yeah, so Lucifer kind of, you know, addresses everyone in his kingdom or whatever and tells them that Dream is coming and why he's coming. That's pretty much it. Then we just kind of see 
you know, dream dream tells Kane, uh, rest my servant, you have done well. You know, Kane had a little had a rough go of it there, and then he just puts his helmet on and opens the portal to hell, and that's where the that's where the issue ends. Yeah. And then he's stepping through the portal to hell. So I cannot wait to read. I was going to read on, but I had a bunch of books from this week at the shop. And I don't know how you feel, but uh, right now the books are kicking it. And there are so many good books coming up. I can't even, I'm so excited about this spring with all the new books, especially the ones that DC just announced. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, yeah, I'm really excited about this, uh, the new Golden Age and this Star Girl, Star Girl series with all the, Golden Age mm-hmm. sidekicks and what's going on there. It's great characters j- to just be on the shelf forever. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited they're bringing some of them back and see what they're going to do with them. Yeah, it looks like he's created a really cool mystery uh, that she's going to have to solve with her friend. She's not supposed to be hanging out with. <laughs> but um, that, I'm glad you told me that because I went and got that. And that's a really good book. And then... Um, the Jeff Johns JSA series coming up should yeah. be fantastic. And that's got a nice mystery too. Somebody's killing off the Dr. Fates and uh, we'll find out who that is. So, but there's a bunch of other good ones too. Yeah. I would actually like to give a shout out to, there are two um, Gotham centric titles. I, you know, I'm Batman's my favorite. So there's one called Gotham city year one which is basically a few generations before Bruce Wayne. And it kind of follows, it's almost kind of like the, it reminded me of the the Lindbergh Mm -hmm. kidnapping and that kind of thing. And it's, you get Slam Bradley, who's a detective character that's been around since, you know, I I think this is set in like twenties or thirties, but um, so that's cool to see him. That's been pretty good so far. And then there's another one. There was a book in the 90s called Gotham Central that was all about the Gotham City cops when it was so good. That's where we first saw Renee Montoya, who mm-hmm. has been a fixture ever since and later, you know, turned into question. Um, and there, there's a book out now called GCPD, mm-hmm. The Blue Wall. And it, it is Renee Montoya is she is now commissioner. He got them some commissioner because Jim Gordon is retired. So it's kind of following her and like uh, her, you know, rearranging, building her own legacy within the Gotham PD. Pretty cool. Really good. Yeah. Yep. Lots of, lots of cool stuff right now. So um, looks like uh, dark crisis is winding down. My dogs are winding up. So I think that's a good siren for this show to end. The Colts are on in 10 minutes. So uh, Mr. Mundy, if you would like, tell us all where we can find you. Uh, just find me on Instagram at Metalhead Mundy. Right there. Not Meathead Mundy. Metalhead Mundy. To get it right, people. And you can find me at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube. Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and SoundCloud. So uh, next week, we we will return with episode 133, some barking chihuahuas, and a challenge or two, and some new music. Until then, we will have to part ways. We'll see you now.